So when, when giving a Dharma talk, what I typically do is uh, share the current issues that's just present in my practice. And right at the moment, a uh, major interest of my practice is just thoughts. And um, this is not something that's new to this particular moment, but just something that I'm paying more attention to is just those thought patterns that uh, just keep showing up over and over that I just find myself thinking about. Not that I choose to think about it, because I actually would choose not to think about it, but uh, the thoughts didn't ask me if I wanted them to show up. They just showed up, and they just show up regularly. Um, And so just that phenomenon of uh, I'm here, thoughts show up regularly. Uh, What do I do when they show up? Uh, How do I engage the thoughts? Um, And, and, you know, these thoughts that are the concern are the ones that... um, that come to me are ones that kind of are, you know, just repeatedly saying, you know, the world is not as I want it to be. And it's not like these thoughts are saying, you know, there's climate change or um, uh, hunger or racism or other things. A lot of times it's like, you know, the world isn't giving me exactly what I want, you know, sometimes. Like, I want this and the world's giving me this. And it's, it's a narrow, small, petty set of thoughts that show up. Um, and, um, and so they, first of all, are, are lead to a certain amount of unpleasantness, unease, that form of dukkha. And then also the thoughts of, um, uh, uh, they can lead to unskillful action because, uh, they're narrow, they, they're, they're focused on the self and that sort of thing. Uh, and so, um, what do you do with, you know, um, uh, dukkha producing unskillful action promoting thoughts. I guess that's the name of the talk. <laughs> there you go. It's a real, brings in big crowds, a name like that. All right. Uh, a, a quick thing, you know, I, um, you know, I'm basically going to borrow a lot of things I've heard from various other teachers. And so uh, uh, a, a formal writing would have lots of uh, footnotes and citations. So uh, let me just say that there, but I'm sure these teachers don't mind me uh, reframing some of the other uh, thoughts I've heard. So I'm going to do two things, three things. And the first, I'm going to give sort of a framework that I've often used to think about thoughts, a new framework that I've recently been uh, like adding that's kind of complementary, and then uh, a set of practical choices that I sort of think about in regard to thoughts. And so I often have found this metaphor helpful, and I think I think it's probably been said in this room, is just you know, the, the metaphor of thought trains. And I like to think of myself uh, as sitting on a station and then uh, thoughts just pull on up, right? And there's three things that can happen uh, while I sit on this train station. It's the first is, um, and this, the first one is the one that happens perhaps the least, uh, which is I'm sitting at the station and here comes the thought train up to the platform. And I say, ah, oh, look at a thought. And then I say, oh, there it goes. That was really interesting, right? And um, the most one for me is I have a um, uh, mild form of obsessive compulsive disorder, which can be kind of useful if channeled in the right directions and not useful if not channeled in the right directions. And one of the joys of having this particular brain structure is if I'm cooking something on the stove and then I turn the <coughs> stove off and then I walk away from the stove, my brain produces the thought, did you turn off the stove? And I think yes. And then I take a few more steps, and my brain produces the thought, did you turn off the stove? And I say yes. And I take a few more thoughts, and the brain said, did you turn off the stove? And I say yes. And 
then it produces it again. And then I'm like, maybe I should go back and check the stove real quick. Right. And my kids like to say, Hey dad, it's all off. You know, but I say, your dad is your dad, you know, uh, pros and cons. Um, but anyway, those thoughts are the easiest ones I find for um, thinking of it as a train because I can kind of say, Ooh, here comes the train. It's going to be, did I turn off the stove train, right? And um, that's perhaps the best example of that first one. But, you know, also if you're you know, sitting on a cushion in a deep concentrated sense and you say, you're sitting there and you're feeling the in-breath and then you notice a tingle in, you're, you're, a tingle in your feet and you notice the tingle in your foot and then it goes away and then you have your... Then you go back to your breath, and then a thought comes. You're like, oh, there's a thought. And then you go back to your breath, like those moments of deep, deep concentration, which is not my default state on the meditation cushion, right? So that's the first type of thing, what to deal with the thoughts. I'd say the second bucket that I I, I try to make sense of it is when you're sitting at the train station, and the train pulls up, and the thought is, oh, I need to be there at 3 p.m., right? And that's a moment where you say, oh, I need to get on that train, actually, because I need to be at that place at 3 p.m. because I need to in order to engage with the world. And I say, now, how long does it take to get to that place? Okay. And then I need to think, uh, I, I have to do this other stuff before then. Am I going to be able to get that done in order to, to leave at that time to get to that place? And I want to be on that train because I want to be at that place at 3 p.m. So that train shows up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to board that train because I want to board the train. And kind of while I'm on the train, I kind of, you know, have, first of all, I got on the train knowingly, mindfully aware that I was getting on the train. And while I'm on the train, I'm somewhat aware that I'm on it. And so that's the second. But those two first aren't the sort of thought experiences that, I, that I'm you know, struggling with. The third one is the thing where the thought shows up. And I'm not even, I'm not even aware of the thought train pulled in. All I know is I'm on the train. I don't even know I'm on the train, right? Instead, what I'm doing is I'm on the train. I'm thinking... You know, in that last group meeting or whatever it was, that person said something rude to me. And then after they said something rude to me, they turned to someone and whispered to that person. You know, I bet what they whispered was, gosh, can you believe John something or other? You know, I've noticed that person said rude things to me. And you know what? When they said those rude things to me, I've done all these nice things for this person. But yet they say rude things to me and then they whisper to the person next to them saying all sorts of other things, probably spreading rumors about me that's unfounded. And I'm, I don't even know I'm on this train. I didn't, I, I'm on this train and how long am I on this train for? I don't know if I'm on it to Omaha or Sacramento or what, but I am on that train and that's the train that I don't want to be on. Um, because first of all, if I'm mindful, I say I'm on this train I don't want to be on. Because first of all, I've added all of this story to reality. Like maybe they were just whispering to the other person, boy, I'm really hungry. Uh, do you want to go for lunch afterwards? That's a theoretic, that's a just as plausible story as them talking about something about me. And maybe it wasn't even a rude comment. Maybe I just interpreted it as a rude comment. It was a perfectly normal comment. But I built this whole narrative about this in this thought train that first of all was a very, very unpleasant train, right? All sorts of, it's like a bumpy train and it's uneasy. There's all sorts of unease on it. And then also it's all for it of unskillful actions. Whenever I see this person, they might say something. I might snap at them. And they're like, what are they snapping at me for? You know, because all they did in the meeting was tell the other person that they had lunch and they just said something to me that was perfectly normal, but I just interpreted it as rude. That's all plausible scenarios. Uh, and so I could, first of all, I just spent all this time on a bumpy train that was unpleasant. And then I just engaged in unskillful action, you know, after on this train. And so 
that third experience is, you know, just the thing I'm working on in my practice, uh, which is a, how to not get on that train. And then if I'm on that train, how to figure out I'm on that train as quickly as possible so I can get off that train. Right, because the, right, the thought isn't the problem, right? The, right, the, the absence of the mindfulness, the absence of the awareness is the problem, right? Because if I'm aware, like, um, there's no problem having petty, narrow, selfish thoughts, right? Because you just can watch them just like any other thoughts. There's a charitable thought. Well, maybe I'll, I'll get on that train for a while and try to ride that one. Um, and so that's the way to think of, I think the most helpful framework for thinking about it is that there are thoughts that are value neutral, uh, in the, in, in, in how to engage it, uh, in the sense that they don't have to create any problem. They don't have to create unskillful action. They don't have to create unpleasantness, unease, uh, unless, uh, I'm not mindful when I choose to engage them. If not, they can just be like a cloud in the sky. That's sort of interesting. Boy, homo sapiens, they're fascinating. I only know one experience of being a member of Homo sapiens. It's my experience, but they produce thoughts like this. Isn't that fascinating? Boy, that's a selfish thought. Huh? Like that, that's kind of an interesting experience. Uh, so that's, the, that's what I would prefer to have on that. So that's, um, I guess, the uh, first perspective. Uh, oh, there's a page two. Uh, this is double printing. Uh, all right. So again, uh, the, the task is then to engage in practice. One option is to come to a Zendo and sit for a while. I've heard that's a good opportunity. And then you can sit for a while and you can just have this experience of engaging your brain so that when you go off into the world uh, and those thoughts come up, you're less likely to just be on the train without even knowing that you're on the train, uh, that you actually could be mindful when it comes up. And the other thing is then the trick a little bit also is like, what do you, how do you like wake up when you're on that train, right? Um, and you, you use some techniques and say, I'm going to try to, whenever I realize I'm on that train, I'm going to label it like X train um, uh, or not, or just mindfully wake up over and over. Uh, those are the sort of things I'm thinking about, you know, uh, and experimenting with on, on how to wake up. Because, you know, it's not that big a deal to be lost on that train for five seconds or ten seconds uh, if you wake up. And the, and the other thing to do is to really um, get excited about that act of waking up. Like, I just caught myself on the train. I was, I was on the Duke of producing unskillful action promoting train and I woke up. And it was only on it for ten seconds. Oh, wait, way to go. I can do that again? Like, so that's... Uh, like take some instead of saying, oh, which I, I've engaged in this before. I'm on that train and man. And then I go on a new train. Boy, am I worthless. I, you know, I meditate all the time and then I just go on these trains all the time. Why do I even meditate? I'm probably the worst meditator in the world. I've spent a fair amount of time doing it and yet I spend all these times on the train. What's wrong with me? You know what? Maybe it's something my mom or dad did. I mean, it must have been that or, you know, who knows what it is. Um, so anyway, that's a whole other train that you can do, um, which is the challenge I face too is, so the other chap part of the challenge is I get on the train, I'm going on the track and I wake up. All right, good. So I go back to the train track, but the same train shows up like a half a second 
there, and I'm back on the train again. And I go a long way, I wake up, I come back to the train, and then you do this. And at a certain point, uh, you know, you just have to kind of, you, you have to let those trains go. But there's a little bit of like, when I go back to the station, if we keep torturing this metaphor, um, like, what do I do perhaps so when the train shows up the next time, in a half second later, what can I do? And what I find sometimes is just trying to, um, you know, just, you know, uh, have a moment where I just uh, connect into something physical, right? To just get out of my head. Uh, and I don't know how anyone else's head feels like. And so if I'm just sitting to just say, okay, let's just try to use something as an anchor of the breath, but then try to like, not just say the breath concept, but be very precise about it and say this, the feeling of the stomach. And I find if I could just have a little bit of space between trains, it makes it so much easier not to get on the next one for me. Um, and so if I'm in the shower, because the shower is a good place to get lost on thought trains. Uh, like let me just feel the sensation of the, the water on the skin or just take a, I like to take a, uh, just smell the soap real quick or something. Just something where I have this little bit of space. Because if I feel the space between the trains decrease, increases, then when that train shows up, um, I'm just less likely to get on it unconsciously. At least that's what I'm trying, that's what I'm experimenting with my practice. Um, Yeah, and finally, there's just all sorts of trains that you want to get on, right? There's the the uh, productive thinking, I got to be somewhere at 3 p.m. There's the flow of thought, whether it's work or hobbies, uh, engaging, conversation with another person, uh, engagement with a book or movie. Um, but to summarize, right, this is the framework I've been thinking a lot is this dukkha producing unskillful action promoting thoughts. You know, don't have to produce dukkha or promote unskillful action if I can be mindful and aware of them. And so I don't need to worry about these thoughts. I just need to be present uh, so that the content of them uh, don't have hold over me. Um, so that's, that's what I was doing a little bit. But the trick, and this goes down to the second part, the supplementary framework a little bit. The trick I find sometimes is that um, in the busyness of life, uh, okay, you know, parenting moment. A lot going on in the parenting moment, work moment, a lot going on in the work moment, friend moment, a lot going in the sun moment, a lot going on in the sun moment, like boom, 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 boom. And it, you're in the heat of, you know, busyness. Uh, the, the trick of just um, being able to get to the mindful state so that you just don't keep getting on those trains is a little challenging. So something else I've been thinking about is... Um, how can I try to actually shape which thought trains show up? So not to just, the first framework, which is incredibly valuable, is like, well, I don't really care which trains throw up. I have to be as mindful. But like, do you structure your life so different thoughts show up? Um, And so there's uh, different ways to think about it. And so I've been thinking about like three different ways. I've been pondering it from three perspectives. The first is, first of all, there's a, there's a, set of thoughts that relate to work, right? And I really don't like going on those thought trains on weekends, right? Because they're not paying me to like go on those trains on weekends and I'm not even doing anything productive on those trains while I'm on it. I'm not actually getting any work done. I'm just um, feeling unease and 
increasing the odds if I have unskilled behavior when I'm, when I'm um, in a work situation. So I've been trying to like, how do I create sharp edges on weekends versus weekdays? And there's almost like a mental shift. And so I do little things like, first of all, the phone, the phone is something else. Like how I interact with the phone shapes my thoughts all the time. I can spend a lot of time on it. I, my thinks, my thinking's different than when I don't spend on it and I do something else. And so there's various tricks. I, I grayscale my phone during weekdays on Sunday night. I'm like, all right, it's time to gray. The grayscaling from Tristan Thompson, Tristan Harris, who was the chief design, chief ethics officer at Google, who then gave up trying to reform Google from within and is now in like, um, uh, I forget the name of his, um, his organization that he tries to do it. But that's what he does is grayscale it. So when you pick up your phone, it's just not so... You know, the, the chemicals in your brain just don't drip, drip, pleasure, pleasure, pleasure when you look at the screen, right? Um, and so, um, uh, so anyway, I grayscale my phone on Sundays, and then I just mentally say, okay, I'm just going to kind of focus on this and keep my life simple. And then Friday afternoon, I like, on grayscale, I'm like, ooh, the colors. And it's like, all right, this is the mental shift, but this means also it's like it's a different period. Like, this is the period where those set of thoughts, I don't need to have them, because this is the... You know, this is it. Like to try to just shape my environment so that it changes which thoughts show up and in giving space to when I'm not in work situations so that uh, I don't have to have work thoughts come up. And if a work thought comes up that relates to, oh, I need to do that on Tuesday, you write it down. Uh, but what else can I do to try to create these separation and also to have to chunk so that I don't like intersperse work in lots of places because once you pick it up, it just comes and goes. So that's one thing. Uh, the second, the second and third in, in terms of how to structure stuff is thoughts is like this idea of I have this much time and I have these things I want to do in time. And one of the great um, blessings of having a mild case of obsessive dis- compulsive disorder is that when you have stuff you want to do, your brain keeps producing the thought, oh, I need to do that, which is really a great thought to have over and over again. Um, and so, right, so... But I think this is, I'm not like the alone in experiencing these sort of these uh, questions. And so, right, so there's sort of, there's two ways to think about it is like, well, how much time do I have? And then how many things am I going to try to fit in that? And so for me then, just trying to reduce the amount of stuff I internally commit to doing um, is pretty important. And so I read a book called Essentialism and then, you know, there's tons of them, like there's the voluntary simplicity from a long time ago and other things. You just try to simplify just so there's less stuff that your brain's just constantly pr- producing up in terms of doing stuff because that's the challenge for me. Um, and so that's something, too, is to just try to um, reduce internal commitments um, so that I just have less thoughts about I need to do this or I need to do that. But then the third one, is the flip side of it, is to actually add items that are nourishing and important where they produce thought trains that you want to be on, whether it's like a hobby that, that is meaningful there or whether it's service. And so I'm at a stage now where I'm going to have more space in my life. I used to have very little space, whether it's from a heavy, heavy workload at work and then uh, lots of parenting stuff. I'm now moving in a life where my stuff is less on this. And so what am I going to fill my life with? And those thought trains I want to be on because it's like I'm part of this other organization. How do I do this? Um, and so that's the things I'm thinking about in terms of how do I just change my environment, whether it's my phone or other things, to try to 
and whether it's my work habits to change which thoughts that will go up and then what internal commitments am I making in my life and that there. Uh, and all of that is, you know, a sense of um, privilege in the sense of I'm not working two jobs as a single parent, right? Um, uh, that I have, you know, this set of choices to even be making. Uh, but those are the choices that I'm contemplating about. So um, a few, real quick, a few practical questions. One classic question is, how much time should I spend meditating? 24 hours minus sleep? Uh, and by meditating, do you mean sitting on a cushion meditating or meditating in other ways? Uh, just by creating space so you can do things slowly so you're more likely to have the experience be akin to meditation? Because uh, framework one says... Um, I want to spend a lot of time meditating. Uh, so when those thought trains show up, my brain is in a certain state. Framework two says, well, I want to be careful because I don't want to try to cram too much stuff in my day. So if you put, you know, large amounts in, then there's less amount for other stuff and the stuff you have to do. And I can have that sense of anxiety. And that's something I'm experimenting with is what's the right amount of time to spend meditating daily. Um, and then when I meditate, what's the right balance between right, effortful connection of the details associated with the anchor? As I was saying, like if I'm sitting like the breath, here's the feeling of the stomach, here's the feeling of the nose, like connect with that. But then right, the danger with that is um, uh, you, know, you, you start uh, straining towards connecting in with that and you're pushing away the thoughts and... Right, the, I think I've heard it phrased as like if you say, oh, I don't want to be on that thought train, I have to push away that thought, but then like don't think of the white elephant causes you to think of the white elephant, right? And so how to, um, uh, right, how to, uh, you know, redirect on that plane, that train station while the trains come through but not then cling to, I have to pay attention to this physical sensation. I need to not pay attention to these thoughts. But um, maybe at times that's skillful, but at other times that's unskillful. And so at other times, sometimes you just need to sit and just waste some waste. You know, actually it's not wasting time. It's just like, I'm going to get on these trains multiple times. And even if I'm lost on it, just keep waking up and keep experiencing that. Like how much to try to, uh, to, really direct your attention versus how much to engage in more of choiceless awareness through whoever comes up, which is sort of the classic question. And the last one is just how much to add to my life, which I already shared with you. And if, you know, this large group of people came to this Zendo thinking, I'm going to hear a Dharma talk where someone gives a lot of answers about how to answer these questions. This is the great moment of disappointment for all of you. <laughs> all I figured out was the questions, which was actually incredibly helpful for me, so I'm very appreciative that I was given this opportunity to give the talk because um, um, just the act of thinking about all of this clarified some ideas in my mind. And I have no idea what your experience is with all of your thoughts, but hopefully it was somewhat helpful to you. <laughs>